Welcome to Today in YGK. On the show, the CFRC team will update you with the weather and road report, events calendar, campus news, and a local artist to watch. First up, I've got your local news rundown. A new residential building located at 168 Division Street will soon be home to a colorful public art mural created by internationally renowned muralist and graphic artist Peru Dyer Jalea. This public art project is the City of Kingston's first ever private-public partnership involving High Point Developments. The City supported the artist's selection and commissioning process in alignment with its public art policy, and High Point Developments is funding the project and will own and maintain the mural once installed. Two artists were shortlisted by a jury through an invited call to professional mural artists in Ontario. The City also hosted a public engagement opportunity on Get Involved Kingston, inviting the community to provide feedback in response to the two proposals submitted. The jury reviewed both submissions and selected Dyer Jalea and his mural, Kingston, A Moment in the City, for this project. Danica Lockhead, Manager Arts and Sector Development for the City of Kingston, says Peru's mural brings vibrancy to the area of Princess and Division Streets, providing viewers a break from their daily routine and inviting them into their own imagination. The mural aims to encourage an appreciation of interconnectedness and sense of pride. Look closely and you'll see Kingston written within the design. Kingston Economic Development Corporation recently hosted a diplomatic delegation from 12 European and Asian countries. The visit was part of the corporation's initiatives to promote investment attraction and collaboration to support bilateral trade and foreign direct investment in Kingston and surrounding region. During the two-day visit, the delegation met with key stakeholders from Kingston's municipal, academic, and industrial sectors. The delegation also had the chance to learn about Lycycle and its first battery recycling facility in Kingston, and Octane, whose founders are paving the way for personalized medicine and cell and gene therapy in Kingston. Her Excellency Engian Siti Hajar Adnin, the High Commissioner of Malaysia to Canada, says... It was an eye-opening visit. The tour serves as a stepping stone for our future collaboration in many important sectors to support Malaysian and Canadian companies grow and prosper in both regions. A representative from Consulate General of Japan in Toronto says, Now we are more familiar with Kingston's initiatives to promote investment internationally, as well as some examples of successful projects in sustainable manufacturing and health innovation sectors. The visit comes after Kingston's recent recognition by Site Selection magazine as one of Canada's top 20 cities to invest in. Mayor Brian Patterson says, As a forward-thinking and innovative city, we want to attract businesses from the region and from around the world. This was a great opportunity to demonstrate all the ways Kingston is a perfect place for investment. Queen's University is welcoming 10 students who are recipients of Canada's top STEM scholarship. Shulik Leader Scholarships, worth up to $100,000, support Canada's future leaders in science, technology, engineering, and math. A total of 1,400 students were nominated this year, and only 100 were selected in Canada for the scholarship that is worth between $80,000 to $100,000 for students wishing to pursue science, technology, engineering, or math at one of the program's 20 Canadian partner universities. Program founder Seymour Schulich says this group of 100 outstanding students will represent the best and brightest Canada has to offer and will make great contributions to society both on a national and global scale. With their university expenses covered, they can focus their time on their studies, research projects, extracurriculars and entrepreneurial ventures. They are the next generation of entrepreneurial-minded technology innovators. 
The scholarships were started by Seymour Schulich, a philanthropist and champion for STEM who himself benefited from a scholarship that allowed him to launch a successful career. Kingston's Don House Transitional Shelter for Women received a $12,785 donation on Thursday. The funds were raised through the first annual Brothers in Arms charity ride. Now, the Brothers in Arms Veteran Motorcycle Club is a group comprised of military veterans that say they are focusing on maintaining brotherhood post-military retirement, supporting veterans and their spouses, and trying to better their community. The Kingston area riders have a long-standing donation history with Don House, saying the organization is among the most impactful on the community. President Billy Irving says seeing the hard work of Don House staff and the appreciation of their clientele makes supporting them a no-brainer. The club organized its first annual charity ride, which was a roughly 80-kilometer ride spanning from their West End clubhouse along the water to McKinnon Brothers Brewery, and it ended with a barbecue and door prizes at Red House West, which is where the check was presented. For several years, the club has raised over $2,000 for Don House around Christmas time, in addition to providing help with maintenance work on location. This year, Brothers in Arms felt they could take that to a new level, with club treasurer Kelly McKinnon saying an aggressive fundraising goal of $8,000 was set for the inaugural ride, and they were thrilled to be able to surpass that goal. Don House is a transitional shelter for women in the Kingston area, which works to help women who have lost everything build their lives back up from the ground up and reintegrate into the community. Executive Director Maggie McLaren says, while that is the hope, the goal is becoming harder and harder for so many women. Don House has no government funding, and wider-scale donation efforts like the one exhibited by Brother in Arms is vital. McLaren says it really helps when an outside organization takes something on like this, when we did it, we're splitting our time between service to the women and trying to get the event all planned. It's really hard, so it really helps when volunteers step forward. Don House is preparing to open a building on Ridley Drive with 12 additional transitional housing units set to open in November. The Brothers in Arms Veteran Motorcycle Club say the ride will definitely happen again next year and they expect it to take place in late August. This story courtesy of Owen Fullerton, local journalism initiative reporter with YGK News. And that's your local news rundown here on Today in YGK. I'm Kareem Mosna, and now it's over to Cindy Gibson with your local artist to watch. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with your local artist to watch. Erica Limone is a bilingual artist that has been a regular on the Kingston music scene since 2013. Locals and artists alike are very excited that she released her first full-length album on September 9th of this year. On September 24th, she'll be holding an album release party with special guest Michael C. Duguay. Erica was kind enough to join us at CFRC to talk about it. You've got your first full-length album. Yeah. You just released it, and you must feel like you're giving something that's been so close to you out to the world. It really does. And like, you know, my husband was also the producer on this guitarist and we talk about it and we, it kind of felt like having a teenager at home or like it's time that the teenager, you know, like leaves and like, you know, they have to like live their own life and stuff. Cause I, I kept hearing the like baby, you know, metaphor. And I was like, no, this is a teenager. It needs to get out. It needs to live its life. <laughs> get uh, out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you have recorded in French and you've performed in English and French. Were you ever told to pick a lane? Um... I don't think anyone ever specifically told me that, but I went to mostly French school. 
so yeah so I think but eventually you just have to be like what what as an artist like makes me feel good I don't think you have to do both if you can you just yeah. really have to do what makes you feel good and like different songs come out in different languages going back to the album it's called Hughes mm-hmm. uh is there a theme in the album? Like, is there something you want to sort of project to our listeners? What what the album meant to you, means to you, and and some some takeaways they could have yeah. from from it. Um, well, like I said, like earlier, like some of the songs, for example, the title track, this was written years ago. So, whereas the last track in my head was written super recently, like that one was at the end of the like album writing, you know, process. You know, like everyone sees things through different lenses. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and when you're an artist I kind of see it like you're both like the person painting this vision you're both the person like like bringing these ideas to life but then you're also the painted at the same time so there's like you're really influenced by the lenses that you wear and I just saw that the lenses really changed from the first song to the last song and it made me think about you know like technically nothing's right or wrong if you look at the lenses like through someone else and I really I really try to do that through my songs some of the songs have nothing to do with me some are mm-hmm. super personal but the ones that have nothing to do with me I'm like who is this person what are they trying to say like you know it pulls on your empathy and I was just I don't know like like there's definitely theme and those are the hues you know that's what I saw those are like the hues of life and they change for everyone and they'll change throughout your life and this song is just kind of like all of that so it's a, it's a mix of society but also like songwriting and also myself, you know, trying to figure out what it means to have all these different opinions. Erica plans on touring this album, but you're going to have to wait until the summer of 2023 to hear about what that schedule is all about. As we all know, the summer music circuit is really where it's at. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call, and that was your local artist to watch. I'll be back next week with another artist. Thank you very much, Cindy. Now it's over to Zayden and Dinah with Campus Corner. Hello and welcome to Today in YGK's Campus Corner. I'm Zayden Vergara. In campus news headlines, Queen's University welcomed new and returning students to Kingston with a new social media campaign promoting respect, responsibility, and health and safety services. Discussing the initiative, Ann Tierney, Vice Provost and Dean of Student Affairs at Queen's University, said that the start of a new school year is an exciting time for everyone and that students are meeting and reuniting with friends and settling to residences or off-campus living. These are important transitions and the university wants its students to have fun, but be mindful of safe and respectful socializing, which is part of the university experience. Students and community members can learn more about the Building Community Together initiative updates on campus resources, including the Campus Observation Room, Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Services, and Student Wellness Services at queensute.ca slash studentcommunityrelations. In other campus news, Queen's Career Services is running a career fair for students online on Brazen this Wednesday, September 21st, from 10.30 p.m. till 3.30 p.m. in a fall engineering and technology fair online via Brazen Thursday, September 22nd, from 10.30 till 3.30 p.m. Register via the Career Services website. In other news, on September 6th, Queen's University announced that seven of its researchers were inducted into the Royal Society of Canada, one of the most prestigious academic honors in the country. New fellows from Queen's who were inducted are Drs. Virginia Walker, Gabor Fichtinger, Guoju Liu, Suzanne Soderberg, Ian Moore, Christine Sipnowich, Stephen Scott, all of whom are now recognized by the Royal Society for their outstanding research and scholarly contributions.
Finally, CFRC Executive Director Dinah Jansen chatted with Professor Troy Day, Chair of the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at Queen's University, about the upcoming Learning from the Pandemics of the Last Seven Centuries free public lecture delivered by Professor David Earn on Tuesday, September 20th at 6.30 in the Biosciences Auditorium. Over to Dinah with this conversation. Thanks, Zayden, and thank you for joining us, Troy Day, and welcome to Campus Corner here on Today in YGK. Dr. Troy Day is joining us from the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at Queen's University. Welcome to Today in YGK, and let's learn more from you, Troy, about this wonderful event taking place, a free public lecture, learning from the pandemics of the past seven centuries. So can you tell us about the lecture, Professor David Earn of McMaster University, uh, what lecture he will be delivering on September 20th and what, what listeners can expect? Sure. So uh, we're really fortunate to have Dr. Earn come and give us this lecture. He's been chair of the COVID modeling table. That's part of the Ontario Science Table for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of the work that his group has been doing has informed the decision making that's happened in Ontario over the last two plus years as it re- uh, relates to COVID. Um, he's going to give us a, a talk on a more general set of ideas related to infectious diseases, not specific to COVID-19. Uh, he's been doing, him and his group have been doing a lot of work taking data from previous pandemics, going all the way back to the 1300s and using mathematical modeling with that data to try and get some insights into, you know, what sorts of pathogens were causing those outbreaks, what sorts of things were people doing to control those outbreaks, and how might those kinds of insights help us understand and maybe better control pandemics as they occur today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And and can we dig in a little bit deeper and learn a bit more about Professor David Earn and, and how your department came to invite him to deliver this free lecture? Yeah, sure. So I, I've known Dr. Hearn for quite a while because we work in similar areas and I've worked with him on the modeling table for COVID-19, actually. Mm. Um, so I've interacted with him a lot over the past couple of years in that context, but I've known of his work previous to that as well. He's been doing a lot of interesting stuff uh, related to influenza pandemics previously, historical uh, influenza pandemics that have happened in the UK primarily is where the data he was collecting was coming from at that time. Um, he's since got data that is related to plague outbreaks, working with in collaboration with other uh, biologists who specialize in ancient DNA, trying to figure out which pathogens caused which outbreaks historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of, him and his team are really the, I think, the world experts in putting together those diverse sets of, of kinds of evidence to understand what's happened uh, with pandemics of the past. Great, thanks. And now, Troy, can you talk about the event in the context of the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council, also known as NSERC, uh, the, the Research Council of Canada's Mathematics Literacy Week? Yeah, so NSERC is this uh, granting agency that is kind of the primary funding body for research in science and engineering in Canada. Mm-hmm. And every year they promote a Science Literacy Week that has a particular theme. This year, the theme is mathematics, and so uh, they sent out a notice, essentially, to all mathematics and statistics departments in Canada and asked them for, you know, information on what sorts of events they might be holding, and they have a sort of uh, one-stop shopping um, website, I think, where you can go and find all the activities that other people are putting on during this week as well. The week happens uh, September 19th, I believe it is, until the 26th. 
Great. Thanks so much. And now I'd really love to learn from you and take this opportunity uh, to learn more on really the importance of mathematical and statistical modeling uh, derived from past data to understanding contemporary issues, be they health concerns like pandemics or financial trends and so forth. In short, really, how does the work that math and stats researchers like you and, and Professor Ern and your fellow colleagues uh, how does this work find practical day-to-day -day applications that inform policy, further research, and even general public knowledge? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, maybe, I mean, it's probably easiest to convey these things through examples. So it, it's not so hard maybe to understand how um, building models for infectious disease transmission might help, you know, society and make governments making decisions and that sort of thing. But there are uh, really interesting examples of people doing work in more pure mathematics that have in the long run found important applications to things that were not really foreseen during the time when that work was being done. Um, and a really interesting example that just came up in our department actually was one of my colleagues uh, who uh, is a pure mathematician, does um, work in pure mathematics. Um, some of the results that he produced 20 years ago, a theorem he proved 20 years ago, has been used recently to break one of the encryption um, strategies that people thought were going to be one of the good encryption strategies going forward that would be robust against quantum computing hacking. Mm -hmm. um, the theorem he proved 20 years ago was used to break one of these things and show that it's not a not a viable option for security moving forward in a quantum computing world. That was something he did that, I mean, he was working on that purely for the sake of uh, pure mathematics, basically. And, you know, this was a couple of months ago, this result came out where they used his theorem to actually show that this, this particular encryption strategy that people were hoping was going to be quite robust isn't actually robust after all. Well, thank you very much. The example is certainly helpful. Appreciate it. And now getting back to the public lecture itself, uh, who should attend this event? And really, let's hear a little bit more about the logistics. How can they how can they do so? How can they register? So it's really it's meant to be a public lecture. The it's open to absolutely anybody who wants to come, all ages, all backgrounds. Um, the you know level of knowledge you would need to understand what's going on in the lecture is is really very minimal. David is planning to aim this at a very general public audience. Uh, you everybody's welcome to come. I've asked people to pre-register. There's a, a some information on our website at Math and Stats at Queens. You can search Google Math and Stats at Queens, and you'll find a, a notification of this lecture there. Um, we're just asking people to register in advance so that we have an idea of how many people are coming. It's going to be in the Biosciences Auditorium, which is on Queen's University campus right next to City Park. So it's an easy venue to get to, a nice venue to go to. Um, I'm hoping lots of people turn out. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us today on Campus Corner. Folks, we've been chatting with Professor Troy Day, Chair of the Department of Mathematics and Statistics right here at Queen's University about the upcoming Learning from the Pandemics of the Last Seven Centuries free public lecture delivered by Professor David Earn on Tuesday, September 20th at 6.30, again at Biosciences Auditorium. Thanks, Troy, for joining us here on Campus Corner. Thanks for having me. Before we close, mark your calendars for October 7th at 1 p.m. CFRC is hosting a plaque unveiling ceremony at that time to celebrate its 100th birthday at Cothras Hall. We'll also live broadcast the proceedings. Now, back to Chris Lowry with a special local news segment. 
Okay, so to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is uh, Benjamin Nelson. Uh, I've been a member of the Kingston Arts and Music Community for probably about 17 years now. Uh, born and raised in Kingston. The main thing that got me into doing graphic design and art and music packaging and merchandise for bands is actually CFRC. And my friend Mike Sallett, who used to be, I think, he was the business manager here, or the program manager, back in 2005, I think. And he started putting on a night called Dance to the Underground, which is being revived soon for the 100th anniversary. And he needed posters for the monthly event, so he hired me to do that. And that was some of my very first uh, poster work in Kingston. And then eventually... I did the logo that still exists today. Mm -hmm. It's called the hockey stick logo, I guess. That's what I've heard it called. And then, yeah, being in bands and stuff. I guess your current constant public exhibition, I guess sort of the only one, is Something Else Records. Yeah. That's where all your posters are up on display. Or not yeah. all, but many. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of my uh, screen printed posters and art mm -hmm. prints are up for sale now at Something Else Records, which is at 207A. Wellington Street, and it's the one of the good, the best record stores in Kingston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, all the pieces that are up there are they? Is there something tying them together? Are they just some of your favorites? Uh, they're what I had most of in stock in my mm -hmm. filing cabinet at home. So, it's making room in my filing cabinet basically, so okay. I can make some new ones. Okay. In okay. the future, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned before also. I mean, that's your only like main public. Thing that you have going on yeah right now but um do you have anything upcoming um me and my partner amelia have mm -hmm. started a little um i guess you'd call it an art side business because mm -hmm. we're both artists um and we have day jobs also working at she works at a general store and i work at that record store um but um we started a little company called freeform archive and we make gift cards and um, prints, mostly stuff for the your home. So either for a gift or home, rather than a rock poster, it's like nice art for your living room mm -hmm. or gift cards for, you know, a loved one or a friend. Um, cutesy, a little more cutesy than my, my edgy rock and roll stuff. Sick, yeah. Or how long have you guys sort of started this business? Oh, it's only, I think only a couple months mm -hmm. we started. Just to finish this off, where can people keep up with you? They can keep up with me on Instagram. Um, uh, it's at B Nelson Art Design. Um, that's probably basically it. Or you could come see me on weekends at Something Else Records on Wellington Street because that's where I work on the weekends. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Today in YGK Weather Report. Weather tonight is expected to be cloudy with 30% chance of showers, risk of thunderstorm this evening, fog patches developing overnight with a low of 14. Tomorrow on Tuesday, September 20th, it's expected to be cloudy with fog patches dissipating in the morning, wind northwest at 20 kilometers an hour becoming light in the morning, high of 23 and a humid X of 28, UV index 3 or moderate. At night, we're expecting clear skies and a low of 14. The outlook for Wednesday, cloudy with 60% chance of showers, high of 21, and that evening, cloudy with 40% chance of showers and a low of 10. This has been your Today in YGK Weather Report.
Hi, I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and I am here with you bringing the weekly traffic report brought to you by the city of Kingston. County Street from Thomas to Adelaide will be closed from Wednesday, September 21st until Tuesday, September 27th. Garrett Street from Division to University will be closed until October 16th. King Street from Place d'Armes to the Tragically Hip Way will be closed on Tuesday, September 20th till September 21st at 2 a.m. King Street from Place d'Armes to Tragically Hip Way will also be closed um, from September 22nd to the 23rd. Lower Brewer's Swing Bridge will be closed until further notice. Stevens Street from Montreal to Patrick will be closed until October 31st. Stevens Street from Patrick to Cowdy will also be closed until October 31st. And Wright Crescent, which is the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace, will be closed until Jan 31st, actually, for construction staging. Please note that access to Wright Crescent will be through the north intersection of Wright Crescent and Palace Road. The following streets are closed from 8.40 to 9.10 a.m., as well as 3.20 to 3.50 p.m. from weekdays until June for school reasons. From McDonnell Street, we have Earl to Hill, and on Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Those roads will be closed from 8.40 to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 to 3.50 p.m. from weekdays now until June. The third crossing road work on Highway 15 at Gore is still in action. There will be a paving top layer of John Counter Boulevard, Ring Road and Ascot Lane and signage and flagger will be in place to direct traffic. A lane may need to be closed at the Ascot and JCB intersection. Proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic. Lanes on John Counter will be delineated with traffic barrels until road painting can occur around this area. Causeway removal has started. There is an increase in dump truck traffic on the west side until completion in December. Access from John Counter to Village on the River Apartments is currently shut down until approximately the end of September. Residents have been notified to use the Montreal Street access during this temporary closure to John Counter. Pedestrians will be able to use the temporary access path north of JCB, which will be maintained at all times, and cyclists will be single file on JCB, and proper construction signage will be provided. That's your weekly traffic report for the week of September 19th. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. I am now throwing it over to Dinah with the events calendar, brought to you by Queen's Events. And welcome to the Today in YGK events calendar brought to you by queensevents.ca. The Kingston Bouldering Cooperative is offering free climbing this week between 6 and 10 p.m. at their location near the Woolen Mill. All experience levels are welcome, including beginners. Limited spots are available, so sign up online. You can find the link at queensevents.ca. Are you graduating this year or looking for an internship? Register now for this Wednesday's online job fair hosted by Queen's Career Services. Starting at 10.30 on Wednesday, September 21st, you can meet some of Canada's top 100 employers. Do you miss your dog from home? Meet Oscar. This fluffy golden retriever will be on campus in Mitchell Hall on Wednesdays from noon to 1 p.m. this semester to help students de-stress. No registration is required. This event is hosted by Queen's Wellness Services. The Human Rights and Equity Office at Queen's University invites all students, staff, and faculty to attend an online training about bias and how to identify it in their professional and personal lives. This workshop is being offered three times this semester with the first one this Wednesday, September 21st at 1 p.m. 
And starting this week, look out for a series of events as part of Consent Awareness Week at Queen's University. The Division of Student Affairs will be hosting an open conversation on sex, intimacy and belonging this Wednesday, September 21st, starting at 7 p.m. in Banry Hall's Fireside Room. This event is open to all Queen's students and includes free food and beverages. And Queen students in the LGBTQ plus community are invited to the Banry Centre next to Banry Hall for a drop-in queer crafting event this Thursday, September 22nd, between 11 and 3 p.m. And that's a wrap for our events calendar brought to us by queensevents.ca. And that's a wrap for our program today, too. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Deezer, and certainly on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.